Joe, how come you never see elephants hiding in tree trunks? Well, I, I'm sorry. Say again. Uh, how come I never see elephants do what now? Hiding in treetops. No, I don't know. Why, why is it that you never see elephants hiding in treetops? They're really good at it. Oh. They're really good. Okay. Let's try another one. Joe, you know, what is... What do you find twitching at the bottom of the ocean? What is it that you find twitching at the bottom of the ocean? A shipwreck. That gee, Mr. Whoopi, that joke sucked. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Carnival Personnel Podcast. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe, and I like how you're you're extending the title of our show. It's a Carnival Personnel Podcast Download. Like, let's just keep adding XM. We're gonna <laughs> we're, we're gonna be bought out by Disney soon. Is that the plan? You know, hey, I'm, I'm I'm selling out to the highest bidder. You know, um, unfortunately, the highest bidder is no gonna bidder. be yeah. The highest bidder is gonna be you know. Um, I can't think of a good jo- joke. Well, the, the, the only money that will be exchanged is you paying me to stop doing it. <laughs> right. Stop. You can uh, maybe try to pay me to go away, but we know that won't work. Oh, man, I know. You, you, your money's no good here, Joe. No, but it's real money. <laughs> um, Simpsons joke. Go ahead. Have you had a good week, Joe? No. In, in quarantine? No. Tell, tell, me, tell me how week seven or eight in lockdown for you has been i don't know man it's i'm depressed i'm just down what are you gonna do eh, eh. should have seen a psychiatrist 20 years ago but fair what are you gonna do time's passed you lived your life you you can't go back and change things and god knows you're not going to change your behavior now going forward to better yourself so you might as well just wait to die i call earth <laughs> death's waiting room what are you doing <laughs> Well, you you uh you ventured out today. You went shopping. Yeah, remember the double dare obstacle course from hell. <laughs> are people? Are you finding that you know it, it? We've all lived through things, and I remember talking to everybody. I got to L.A. the year after the big earthquake, and people said it was so crazy how nice everybody was on the road for like the first couple months after that, like being polite, letting people out, you know, just the civility. And I think a few weeks ago, you know, when the numbers in New York were really spiking and you heard it, the people at the stores were being good about, you know, the stores started limiting how many people could be in. You had half mass. But if you were going down one side of the aisle and somebody was coming in the other direction, they would Moses, they would part the sea. You know what I mean? People were being respectful and giving space. Are you finding that that's waning? Yes. Yes, very much so. I'm finding that traffic is increasing. I'm finding that, you know, I have the luxury of having a job where I can work from home. I should be taking advantage of my ability to use that time during the week that I'm not dedicated to someplace else where I have to be to actually do my shopping during... The typical downtime, silly me, typical me, procrastinator me, waits until the weekend to start to do all of my grocery shopping. And of course, I'm in tune with basically everybody else in my town and the surrounding towns. So, yeah. And I think even though everybody's wearing masks, the masks, I think, give people a sort of, I think, a sense of false superpower where I'm wearing a mask so I can 
brush by you to get you know to where i have to be down the aisle you know those one-way signs like imagine if streets were like that <laughs> which is like, well the right. arrow says i can only go this way but really i mean it's so much quicker if i just go in the other direction down that same road what are you we- going the wrong way <laughs> how does he know where i'm going you know uh, it, it uh, gosh it was about it was about 15 20 years ago and i know i've talked about this there was an article in like USA Hockey where they talked to four college coaches that have coached for 20 years about the change in their careers. And they all said the biggest change in college hockey is the advent of face masks. And they said, yeah, there's less broken noses and less, you know, people losing teeth. But the head injuries and the, and the neck injuries, because like you just said with the masks, it gives them a sense of invulnerability, and people would go full speed into places you would ease up before. You know what I mean? You you know, and I think that I think you know, and not all masks are made the same. And I think okay, so you're wearing a mask, but everything you're touching with your gross, you know, it's like while you're reaching across me while you're grabbing that box of cereal, that mask is not going to keep us from. And to be fair, I don't think these grocery stores are doing long-term traffic studies on their aisles. You know, right. it's just sort of like, how come there are three one-way aisles back-to-back? You know, like, why is this? <laughs> how am I supposed to get to, you know, like, and I don't know, I guess, I guess I'm a pussy because I'm actually like, respectful of wanting to keep that six foot distance even though i know it's a magic number and it's kind of like eh whatever you know I, I people are just they're like there are just ballsier people out there or people who just like yeah fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna be by this person for a second am i really gonna catch covid in that one second well, I mean, don't forget there there's way too many people who still think this is a hoax it's funny management um one of her former employees that you know she she still will consult with will say from time to time they are 100% on the I don't understand why we're having trouble getting people to come work you know for us this is completely a hoax it's completely made up to make the president look bad um the numbers are inflated at the same time these people have in the past two months gotten a new basic walk-in freezer, have stockpiled stuff, went out and got a new generator. Like, literally, their generator is about the size. Their backup generator to their backup generator, because they already have a generator, you know, for emergencies. It's about the size of your new car. Are you saying that they're hypocrites, but they're wealthy hypocrites? I'm saying, yeah, they might not believe, you know, but, but as far as, you know, the general public, yeah, there there are people. The other thing that my boys noticed, my boys noticed, you know, the other day, and then driving with management today, she noticed it too. I don't know where you live. There's a bunch of new Jesus billboards in our area, and I'm not talking the Jesus billboards for my stand up. It's like, um, are you concerned? Don't be Jesus. Jesus has you covered, or something like that. These like. Don't worry about – it's not saying don't worry about COVID, just pray it away. You know what I mean? But it's basically saying if you believe in Jesus, you know, you're you're fine. You're fine. You live in Lowell, and um, I don't want to give away your exact location, but I think in in, in Spanish Latino areas, they're more religious-y than maybe, say, other areas, more gentrified areas. 
Right. So I think there's that going, you know. But but there is but the the way the billboards are written, it's letting you know, oh, you have nothing to be worried about. Con- concern, don't be. You know, Jesus protects you. You know, it's like so there are. So yeah, when you go into the store, there are just some people who still think it's bullshit and whatever. So I, I I'm lucky like you. I can limit when I go to the stores and I'm trying to I've been pretty good about you know, stepping up my anti-social, anti-social distancing, you know, even more. But I do. It's like, and, I, and I'll be going down and I'll see people without a mask. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, all right. Well, tough guy here, I guess, you know, you know, you, you know, but, um, but I, and now I'm concerned because we live right on the New Hampshire border and I think it's Monday or Tuesday. All shops are open, man. Woo! Everything's fair game. All so. right. So it's like yeah, are the so malls. Like, the malls are all opening. I, I, all the shops is 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 what they're saying. On the other hand, no, we, we, you know, you know, maybe we'll jump ahead. We'll get to it now. But on the other hand, Massachusetts just said the exact opposite. It's like, yep, n- nothing till like late, at least Labor Day weekend. The 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 mayor of Boston has said, you know, which management is bummed because she had some. This was supposed to be. She was supposed to see Duran Duran three times. Like now, like she's supposed to be in Vegas a couple weeks ago. She was going to go see them in like London and Scotland. Um, but there's a big hair metal reunion thing like Molly Crew and Poison. And I think like Def Leppard were playing Fenway Park in June. Mm. All that stuff has just, you know, the the mayor of Boston just said, nope, all of it. You know, the club still can't open. No gatherings over a certain size. Fourth of July no- Esplanade. Yep, that that that's can't no parades, no. So, but you know, again, they, there's no state border checkpoint, and we're right on New Hampshire. So, I, I, literally, I'm I'm not coming out of the bunker for quite some time. I I literally because it's not going to happen this week. It's not going to be this week, and it's probably not going to be next week. But about three or four weeks from now, that's when you're going to start seeing everybody who got more and more brazen and tired of wearing the mask and tired of being careful. And then all of a sudden, well, the sun is shining hotter, you know. Right, right. There's a more of an appeal to go out and to shed some clothing and masks and PPE. Uh, but before we go too much further, we are going to do a sideshow this week, Joe. Do we Very have excited. To? Do we have to? We do have to. Ah, it is the right. 60th anniversary of of the Button Down Mind by one Bob Newhart. And uh, I, Joe, would you say it's the quintessential comedy <laughs> album of 1960? <laughs> I don't think you. I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> Thank you. So we got that going. Um, Although I will say that briefly that I associate that album with our with the the when your when our friendship took off. Yeah. That like because you introduced me to that album on a cross country trip when we you know, remember in the old days when you had cassettes. Yep. And you would put the audio cassette in your vehicle's stereo system and then play it and then when it finished about you know. 20 minutes or 30 minutes on one side you'd have to eject it and flip it over and hear the rest of it we did that exactly. with, with the uh, button down mind of bob newhart and woody allen's uh stand-up routine but yeah we'll do another sideshow on that later i suppose but was it was that woody allen's stand-up routine fantastic yeah i guess did he i heard that he didn't write a lot of that 
that was from the year before, like 1959. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, so we're not talking about him. We're talking so about we, Newhart. This coming Thursday, uh, we will be doing a sideshow to commemorate the 60th anniversary of the button-down mind, um, which is also the 60th anniversary of the button-down mind strikes back, <laughs> which also did incredibly well. But this is the one we're doing. Um, so a couple sat, well, one sat passing and another passing. I don't know how sad the second one is, but um, they're both sad. But little Richard, you know who. I mean, man, I, 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 you know, going down the rabbit hole of like, you know, reading about him today and, and a lot of the stuff that I knew and I didn't know. Um, and it's funny because, you know, bringing it to the superhero world is funny. I saw a tweet. It's like the, the, the woman who plays uh, the Black Canary and the Birds of Prey um, was on Full House and he did a guest appearance on Full House where he played her uncle. Oh, nice. And it and it was like, yeah, Black Canary's power isn't metahuman. It came from her uncle, Little Richard. You know, <laughs> a fascinating guy. But honestly, his song "Tutti Fruity" is credited with starting the rock and roll revolution. Yeah, like like there's a lot of artists you can point to. You can you can see how the music evolved and, 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 you know, where, where it originated from, where it evolved from. But that song, you know, it's one of those songs. It's like, you know, um, uh, um, what Nirvana, Nirvana, um, smells like teen spirit. I mean, grunge was around before that. There was other artists, but that was the one that can't really launched it. And Tutti Frutti was it. Yeah, I know. He was the architect of rock and roll. Uh, there's lots of photos of him going around on social media now. Uh, John Fugelsang, if you know who he is, he tweeted, oh, I, a picture, big fan. tweeted a picture of the Beatles surrounding Little Richard, like the young, like 1960 Beatles, with uh, the caption, Little Richard and four fans. It's, I mean, when you hear what the what the Beatles were playing at the Cavern Club in Germany in like 1959, 19 you know 58 59 60 and stuff like that yeah they they were disciples of him yeah he just died as of this recording <clears throat> he died friday this past friday and he was 87 they st they don't know what the cause of death yet is i'm going to assume covid-19 because that's kind of the default for anybody over 55 <laughs> right right um but uh you know yeah the only thing i knew him obviously from you know his big hits but then when he would go on these um, celebrity-type panel shows or talk shows or when he would make cameos on sitcoms, he had like a, a kind of a catchphrase, you know, where people would laugh at one of his jokes and he'd go, shut up. Like that was one of his big like little catchphrases that had stuck with me. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, a gay black man was basically the guy that kicked off rock and roll music and then of course Elvis was like hold hold on a second there sonny I mean he, from the from the deep south yeah you know yeah um, why was it little richard you know like i i mean i guess it was because he was young and he was uh, was it a belittling from the uh, man you know like so so oh gosh i'm blanking sister something i forget it she was a she was a big artist you know regional artist a soul singer that he was performing her songs outside the venue where she was going to play. No, basically he was um, 
you know, a street performer, 14 years old. She was so impressed that she had him open that night, and that's how he was introduced. Little Richard, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. I wonder if they introduced, yeah, it must have been, yeah, what was his birth name? It was like little, it was like Richard something, something. <laughs> Way to go, like, Joe. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, it's like it, you know, and, and all day it's like just listening to to the, the that that ear was just great. And some of the recordings aren't pristine and haven't like held up, and not everything has been digitally remastered. But it is just it is great to to kind of you know being a fan of, of the history of stuff like that. Like you know, we're going to talk about Bob Newhart, but uh, actually, you know, be able to pinpoint this. Is when rock and roll started. Like this day, this recording, this artist, this group of artists, this is where it all, you know, came to be. And it's it's great. And how I mean, it's unfair how little no pun intended, little Richard is kind of referenced nowadays. You know, people still talk about Elvis, still talk about the Beatles. Little Richard gets kind of pushed off to the side and you you know, especially in social media, I haven't seen a mention of Little Richard for I don't God knows how long. I don't know the last time prior to his death you heard anybody reference Little Richard. And then, no, that's a you know fair point. It takes a death to like you know um, to bolster somebody's like and the outpouring of like this was the man, this was the person who started it all. He influenced the Stones, the Beatles, everybody that followed him. Everybody owes their career uh, in from music to Little Richard. And but you know yet nobody talked about him until he died. You know, and, and it wasn't just the music. Um, you know, people like David Bowie took from him his showmanship mm. as much as as much as he was an influence on him musically. I mean, Little Richard, you know, was outwardly flamboyant and and very over the top and almost. Almost like a caricature of himself, unapologetic, right? Which, which is which you know, it's like because it's funny. You think about it, you know, when you look back, and it's like, you know, how how Little Richard seems like it was such a long time ago, and David Bowie seems like it was a long time ago, but little, hey, you know, it's only like a ten year window between Little Richard's heyday and the start of David Bowie. You know, it's only like it is. It's only like from like fifty five to like fifty or you know uh, sixty five, sixty six, sixty. I mean, David Bowie really came into being in the early seventies, but he was a performer, you know, of note, like you know, in London and, and in Europe, like in the late sixties. So it's not that far away. It's amazing whole- how exponentially music had evolved and changed and rock and roll had had changed in just a course of 10 years and that was pre-internet like essentially you know what i mean like that was just from the power of the radio so yeah you know rest in peace little richard and rest in peace another uh, person of note who passed away of covid 19 one um roy horn from siegfried and roy yes the mauled one (laughs) <laughs> I mean, could you would you ever be able to tell them apart otherwise? You know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, you know, like, like we said, like you know, the lion couldn't kill him off, but you know, COVID forty five could. So that's wait, COVID forty five is Donald Trump's nickname. <laughs> COVID nineteen is the disease. 
I don't, yeah, we're, I don't, we're, unless he has some sort of an affair with Donald Trump that we don't know about. <laughs> Dude, nothing would surprise me <laughs> at this point. But yeah, and and it's like, you know, you, you're seeing tweets about him and footnotes. But like I said, when we were talking before we start recording, he pulled a Farrah Fawcett. He died. He made the mistake of dying on the same day somebody more famous died. Yeah, right. So, you know, rest in peace, Roy Horn. I had never seen a Siegfried and Roy show like not even I don't think maybe maybe once on like maybe once I saw them on like a variety show do a tiger bit, you know, as part of a a bigger show. But I don't. I can't tell you one. I, I can't tell you one thing about their act aside from the tigers. Like, haven't, haven't the Simpsons parodied them? Oh yes, yes. Okay. So if you, so if Joe knew of Siegfried and Roy Hippie through the magic, yeah. of the Simpsons. I remember in Lexington when I was in high school around formal edition time. This was a deep cut. We saw an act that traveled with the carnival that would frequent Lexington every year they had their like the Lions Club would put on a, a, a town carnival and they had like a another act that was kind of like I think they were an animal act I think they had a tiger I'm not sure but they were like something in Roy you know or and I'm like and they could have been you know a couple I don't know but <laughs> as Siegfried and Siegfried and Roy Roy were a couple, correct? They they were for a long time and yeah. then weren't, but they were still you know part part partners on the stage. Yeah. Uh, so Joe, I've had actually a. We talked last week. I've been pretty productive during this lockdown. I mean, I'm not coming out having learned to play the guitar or foreign language. Uh, but you and I have actually been. Working on the stand-up, you know, for me, for when I do have to go on those military tours later this year, hopefully, or next year, whenever. I don't, I don't know. I don't, um, but we've been working on that, and it's been fun. And, uh, you know, my friend Alex, who pitched me a script idea a while ago, um, it's actually been a pretty productive week. And, uh, and it, was, it was pretty funny, um, you know, getting started, you know, on this, um, you, know, you know, this, 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 I found a new reason to start watching all these old movies I like again because in the conversation, you know, I've been like, okay, let's let's try to lock in on where we want to fall on the comedy scale with this. Is it are we doing slapstick comedy? Or are we doing a deep thought, you know, a black comedy? Are we doing a big Lebowski version of what, you know, that? Because there's a big difference between are we writing in the vein of Tommy Boy or are we writing in the vein of, you know, the Royal Tenenbaums? You know, are we doing Slapshot? You know, Slapshot, right. Or are we doing like Bill and, are we doing Bill and Ted's or are we doing the big Lebowski? You know, where, where are we falling? And so. It has. It's been a fun week of trying to work out some stand-up, um, you know, working on this this new writing project with my friend Alex and trying to pull – relentlessly trying to pull you into the mix, you know, you know no matter how uh, how many times you say no, you know, it's like, what were you wearing, Joe? You know? <laughs> Wait, what? Hold on. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but the other thing is, so management finally has said, hey – you know, she knows that I've done the quote unquote act for a half a dozen friends one on one on FaceTime to get feedback. People I either know who are really funny people or or are just 
good sounding boards. And she's like, you know, why haven't you done that after me? And my first instinct was to say, well, because I'm shitting on you for half of it. <laughs> and you might not appreciate that as much as, let's say, other people. Um, but I did. I did it. And uh, the most... The most interesting thing is she came away being impressed, you know, where you and I have have gotten a lot of it. Um, she wasn't she actually audibly gasps at a, at, at a couple of the jokes, which, you know, after 17 years of hearing my shit, I'm surprised that I was able to still shock her with a couple things. And then, uh, you know, other than a curling iron in the bathtub when she's taking a bath. Uh, but then she was like how come you haven't made more fun of my mother? You know, her mother passed away. Um, and, and and between my wife and I, you know, between management and I, we've joked a lot. Like her mother from Korea learned English from her father who fell off the set of Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> so her mother, her as you know, dear, her mother had the, you know, the, the stereotypical, like absolutely right down the middle of Stereoville, uh, the broken English accent where she pluralizes the single a lot and and what you know singleize the plural uh but with a goodwill hunting boston like you know and my favorite thing is the first time i meet her and we're driving over there uh i lived in la came back to visit you know management and we went to meet her mom and she's like okay when you hear my mom's voice and talk just don't laugh you know just you know and she she will say stuff like you know Hey, I told you to Noah park the car over there. <laughs> you know? it's like, wait, was is that voice real? Are you doing a bit? I, I, yeah, right, right. Are you a Mad TV character? <laughs> Look like a man. Um, you know, with the whole thing, it's like we did. We took, you know, we moved back to t- help help her mom and the comedy errors. It was that, you know, her boyfriend you know, who lived with us, who lived here for 30 years. And and, and it's like, you know, it's like, and, but I told her, it's like, okay, well, you know, one thing Joe has really worked on me with is, um, you know, how can you come across, you know, telling some of your jokes without seeming like a mega racist fuck? Right. You know, how, how can you have fun with something without being like, you know, how does this dumb fuck not learn English? You know what I mean? But how do you have fun with and then I and, and Hickory then I, Dickory <laughs> Oh <laughs> Get the hell out of the country. And she has a <laughs> she loves Seth Myers, we both do, but there's a bit that Seth Myers does where he has a segment called Jokes Seth Can't Tell. And the, you know, he has two writers come out from his staff, one's black and one's this gay white woman. And they tell the jokes that he can't, and and that the every time they wrap it up by saying, "Joe, you 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 should try one. You should try one." So they're like, "No, I don't think it's right. No, you should try one." And of course, he tries it, and then they get all indignant, and they can't believe he would say that. Um, but that's the thing. It's like, and I I was talking to her about that. It's like, okay. I can joke with you about it. You can definitely talk about the way your mom talked and all these cultural differences. But I don't, you know, how do I come out and say, you know, when I would come home and they would be making kimchi that I would pray, pray so much for the sweet and 
embrace of death's grip <laughs> versus having to watch the paint peel because of the smell. You know, how do I say that without being the, you know, the, you know, the round eye, like, you know, white devil? Well, I think you do what I think Seth Meyers did in his last stand up uh, special. He says, these are jokes that my wife wrote. <laughs> you know, so just do that. Just like my wife is, uh, you know, uh, part Korean woman who has a Korean uh, uh, mother and who's passed, but uh, you know she wrote these jokes that she wanted me to tell. So these are from her. These aren't my <laughs> words. These aren't right. my thoughts. These are hers. <laughs> you know, it's it's like I have a black friend who said it's okay if I use the word. Right? No, 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 no. Here, and I'll hold up a piece of paper saying, "No, no, my money." I have my a note. Friends. <laughs> Hold up a literal uh, race card. <laughs> Get out of Twitter jail free. Oh, I, uh, you know, w- w- you know, that's a that's a nice segue. So I become more and more. Well, thanks. I just family. bought the segue the other day. My fa- <laughs> my family has become more and more obsessed with the show Community. I can't believe how great it is, and I I literally can't like as we're watching. It's like. We, we thought we watched most of them, but man, we, we must have not been that loyal follower. So Joe McHale and, and Ken Jong have started a podcast. It is so good. And it's funny because they basically started to talk about COVID and different things and be, you know, be funny and be themselves. But Ken would answer questions was the premise of their show. And it is funny because they're talking about how often you know, Ken Jong wound up naked, like greased up and naked. <laughs> you know, um, on the like. I like how you uh, say he wound up greased up and naked, well, like not volunteer to. No, no, that's half the show. Half the time they turn around, and they're like, "What's that noise?" And he's standing in the corner, like rubbing oil on himself because he's going to try to squeeze through this vent <laughs> because he thinks it's like you know, like gold, whatever it is. And then he snaps into doctor mode and like and every time Joe McHale's like yeah I keep forgetting here's the here's the most fucked up thing about community that I don't know if we talked about do you know who was the executive producer the the executive producers of community Steven Mnuchin oh (laughs) no Dan Harmon who created the show who also created like Rick and Morty who's considered like one of the funniest people showrunners yeah the Russo brothers Russo brothers? Yeah. You know, the Russo brothers who did all the Avenger movies? Oh, yeah. Who did Endgame? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did did the four Avenger movies. Like, that was their contribution. Their small contribution was... uh, I don't read credits, man. Captain America, Civil War, uh, you know, Age of Ultron, Endgame, and Infinity War. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Really? They, they, and so it's funny because at first, like when Joe McCann was talking about when he went in to read for it, uh, they wrote the part, Dan Harmon wrote the part for somebody else, but his wife or his girlfriend at the time was like, because he didn't write for Joe McHale, but the character was kind of, over the top, swarming, kind of sarcastic, and and she loved him on the soup. It's like, no, no, you got to call that guy. And so it's like, yeah. So I go in, and you know, I'm reading for the Russo brothers, and I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> oh, wait, he was reading for the Russo brothers. <laughs> he's not, he's not kidding, you know. Uh, but their podcast is great. Uh, but it, but it is, it's, 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 it's 
very often they say the same thing. It's like, you know, uh, Ken, I'll let you say this so I don't come across racist. You yep. know, and Ken, yep. why don't you tell this story? So maybe I'll bring management, you know, when we, you know, so, and, and then management was being supportive and she's like, why wait to the tour? You should go do some open mics. You should find some place. I'm like, yeah, Joe and I had looked into that. Uh, they don't do that anymore. She goes, no, there's open mics all the time. I was like, yeah, for, for karaoke and for, you know, spoken word, but they go out of their way to say, no drummers, no comedians. We mean you, Jock and Joe. Yeah, you have to go into the city to actually go to an open mic and, uh, and a place that like embraces comedy, like an actual place for comedy. But the term open mic is a little looser when you get further outside of the city. So, right. you know, right. uh, them's the breaks. You know, you can't, you got to move to the big kids. You got to move to the big city, kid. You got to move out of the sticks if you want to make it in this town. <laughs> say, yeah, say, yeah. So, no, I, I was, I was surprised. And, and I, I keep telling Joe, like, you know, there, there's, there's three or four lines that, you know, Joe gave that are, are the ones that kill the best. And every single time I'm like, yeah, but I wrote those other four. Why aren't you laughing at those as hard? <laughs> you know? Here yeah. we go. Lennon McCartney, man. This is why I don't want to get into the writing. No. It divides so, friendships. Go ahead. So, no, I will tell you, I will tell you where my, where my world has sunk to this week. Um, Management and I are standing in the kitchen, and we have a bird feeder on the back porch, and it's one of those squirrel-proof ones. And there's a squirrel hanging upside down off the canopy trying to reach this thing, and he's trying. And I'm, we're watching him for like two or three minutes, and then I said – and I don't want to say it too loud because it will start playing. I'm like, Alexa, play the theme for Mission Impossible. <laughs> and – uh-huh. Oh, Alexa's got ears <laughs> like a hawk. Wait, what? And, and then it did. And management in about 30 seconds was crying. Just absolutely because it was so perfect. And I'm telling my, you know, so my sister the next day calls me. And this is where she sunk to. And I guess you can buy these. I guess they're becoming more popular. She bought a tiny, and I mean this, I'll, I'll post the picture. She bought a tiny picnic table for squirrels and she put a piece of corn like a like a con a, a corn of uh, how do you a, say a kernel kernel out there and this there's a squirrel and she's all excited and then she's going back and forth and she tells her listening device to say what should i play and i'm like uh uh be my guest for Beauty and the Beast. And she was like, I got to go. I got to record this. <laughs> she, she had it. She was videotaping as this squirrel sitting there, you know, be our guest, but our service to the test. And I'm like, I'm like, it's come to this. This, this is, this is, you know, because I officially, I think I said this. I was almost done last week with, um, with, with Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. And I don't mean, I'm not going to pay for it anymore. I mean, I think I watched everything. Okay. Yeah, you've completely, you've, you've 100% of the internet. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, uh, that, 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 that's, that's where, the, that's where my lockdown, you know, quarantine has, has led me to, Joe. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, and you know what? Just think there's at least six more months to go. I, I, I don't know. We, it, Who knows? You know, I'm no, not going to speculate. It, it, it's a joke. Every, no, everybody's going to come out. Everybody's going to feel great. And then about two months, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, well, let's get, you know, <laughs> nope, got to go back to it. I mean, 
you know, my my biggest covert mishap right now is, uh, you know, I think I think I mentioned it. You know, we had signed the boys up for water polo. You know, you know, because we. You know, white and just wanted to make sure we were, you know, yes. doing the whitest thing, you know, the most aristocratic thing you could do next to polo. Um, the aristocrats. No, <laughs> I can only do that trick once. Uh, they, uh, the Boston Sports Club, which isn't a big chain, but it's a upscale. Yeah. Let's face it. It has water polo. It's an upscale Lexington, yeah. you know, mass thing. Yeah. There's a big lawsuit going on because they refuse to stop charging members um, their monthly dues or return, you know, fees for people who signed up for things like water polo, even though they've been closed. You know, it was a 12 week program at the end of the second week is when, you know, the world shut down and they're like. Yeah, well, hey, that's thumbs and breaks. <laughs> and I think their spokesperson got on TV and said, hey, they bought their tickets. <laughs> uh, uh, so we'll say we'll segue, you know, now that we're here, we'll talk about, you know, some from some of the great things. Um, the one of the things that was brought up this week that is a scary thought. We, the United States is so desensitized to gun violence. Like, yes, when Parkland happens, we're all shocked to the core. When Vegas happens, when, you know, the nightclub in Miami or the nightclub at, like in Los Angeles. All Don't forget Sandy Hook. You know, when those things happen, we're all like, but, but every single day, like the CDC doesn't even track gun violence. But when you find out, like, how many people are shot Every day, either suicide, accidental robberies, you know, whatever. Vice presidential we, gun hunting. Yeah. We're like, we're like for a new cycle. We're like, oh, that's awful. Hey, I wonder what the local weather is. Um, <clears throat> co- people are, you know, people are now starting to talk. It's like as places start opening up and we start hearing, oh, you know, another 50 people died here today or, you know, the death, the death, the death total is now at the as of we're recording. It's close to 80,000. And a couple of weeks ago, it was going to be 50 at the most or maybe 60. And now people people are hearing these numbers going up. And instead of being shocked and saying, oh, my God, 80,000 people, we better stay inside. You're going to stop and shop, you know, finding out that people are like, yeah, uh, I don't really have to give six inches of space or wear a mask or, hey, the malls are opening in New Hampshire. And they're, they're sending kids back to school in Montana next week. And it's like. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Kids go to school in Montana? Fuck. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, do you know, do you know the hardest four years of a Montanan school child's life? No. Third grade. No. <laughs> Third grade, I said. Get the hell out of the country! I don't know. Well, whatever. <laughs> I just wanted to do dice. Uh, yeah, who I have a newfound respect for. Yes, but uh, but seriously, it's like one of my biggest takeaway scary thoughts is like, yeah, you hear these. Oh, the meat the meat packing industry is being decimated by this. Oh, Wendy's to the point where Wendy's is stopping serving hamburgers for a while. So it still makes people say, oh, yeah, yeah, we're fine. No, no, this is fine. Go ahead. Go go, go ahead with life. It's just going to be another statistic that, oh, wow, look at that at the end of the year when they compile the drunk driving stats and you're like, wow, that's 80,000 people died on our highways. That's pretty bad. Somebody should do something about that. 
Honey, I'm going to the liquor store. What do you want? Yep. Well, I mean, we're Americans. We don't give a fuck. We think we're uh, we're invincible. It's not uh, it's not us that gets the COVID nineteen. It's them. It's the, well. Speaking of them, and we talk about it. We joke about it. It's not funny. The whole make America hate again. Last week we talked about it. That a grocery store and. San Diego. Now, San Diego is a red county, but it's not in Arkansas. But the the fine people working at that store had to go up to a gentleman and say, I appreciate that you wanting to wear facial covering while in here, but could you not have a clan hood on, sir? That same exact store uh, called the police and the local deputies had to say, look, yes, it you may say it's a First Amendment right to have a mask on with a SWAT sticker, but the store finds it a hate crime, and the store's policy of refusing service to somebody trumps your, there you go, uh, right to your free speech SWAT sticker mask, so you have to leave. It's like, dude, what the fuck? It's like it's so brazen now. Like, all jokes off. Um, I, 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 I follow somebody on Twitter this week who who very often makes me laugh. Oh, thank you. And, you don't have to mention me. And, and they had a tweet that said, you know, the, I, I want to get it right. Uh, it was something like, y- you're hearing a lot of talk about Nazis these days. That's because there's a lot of Nazis. Oh, you were mentoring me. What was your exact tweet? What did it say? It was- uh, uh, the word Nazi is thrown around a lot these days, probably because there's a lot of Nazis. <laughs> You know, and as funny as that is, it's not. You posted that two days, three days before this guy in San Diego, you know, decides to, you know, to eat that chip. And, uh, and, uh, so I'm going to say, stay classy, San Diego. (laughs) My my favorite, my favorite, uh, you know, we always have like this week in awfulness. I, you know, the new segment, this week in Karen, I don't know if you saw the woman in Hawaii who was at a, I don't know. For some reason, she refused to move her car. She was blocking traffic in a Walmart parking lot, and she's screaming. Every third word was the F-bomb, and she's screaming at, like, mall security or deputy about, like, you know, calling him. So some racial thing to him being Hawaiian and stuff like that. And what I love about the Internet being undefeated. Yeah, it took about three seconds for people once that was posted to find her Facebook page and put it out there. Kindergarten teacher, you know, <laughs> and, and literally, okay, hey, everybody, everybody close your eyes, even if you're driving just for a second. Uh, picture Karen. Yes. What you just pictured is exactly, you know, and, and it's like, we'll stop saying, you know, the name Karen at, to describe that. Uh, but the but the worst thing of the worst this week, aside from the numbers of COVID deaths and people being out there, is the whole final, the final death nail. We're all done. Check, please. The death nail and the coffin of what was the the Department of Justice has been uh, put, put to rest uh, with the dropping of charges against Mike Flynn. Hey, man, the guy was guilty twice. I mean, he admitted it twice. I mean, what, are you going to keep him in jail? So He said, and, I'm guilty twice. And, and, and for people who don't know, you don't just say you make a deal with a prosecutor and say, fine, I'm going to plead guilty to these charges. You have to get up in court and convince the judge I'm, I'm, I'm pleading guilty on my own free will, and this is exactly what I did. You don't say, yeah, I robbed the bank. It's like, 
no, this is how I planned the bank. This is where I got the schematics from. This is where I found the safe cracking guy from. This is how I got the dynamite to blow the safe or whatever. You have to literally convince the judge without a shadow of doubt to the judge that, yes, you did these things. So he had to do that. And over the last few months, you heard when they wanted to reduce the charge, like um, the Department of Justice gave the judge, here's our sentencing recommendation. And then like a month or so later, you know, Attorney Barr made a different bunch of prosecutors go in and give the new recommendation because the old prosecutor said, fuck you. No, these are the charges. We're going, we'd rather resign than do this. And then when the new guy had to go in and give it to the judge, even the judge says, it's like, is this your idea? And the guy wouldn't answer the question. Like he answered without answering saying, no, I don't want to drop these charges or I don't want to, they weren't dropping the charges at the time. They were, they were reducing their sentencing recommendation. And the judge can give you whatever they want. Yeah, they'll listen to prosecutors' recommendation on sentencing, but it's the judge's discretion. Uh, you know, we've always said, and it's true. I haven't said it. We haven't said it. It's not like we came up with it. It's not like your your term awful some copyright carnival personnel. But the old saying, history is written by the winners. It's true. If Germany won, you know what I mean? They'd be the heroes in our history books right now. Mm-hmm. But but we... Um, they kind of are the history book winners, yeah, you know, now. The, the, yeah, who really won that war? Yeah, <laughs> who's know? writing the history books nowadays? So we, well, that's it. Like, most anyway. history books are written in the state of Texas, which won the right to call slaves workers. So most history books now in the United States being printed ever since 2018, say, when the workers came over from Africa. Yep. I'm sidebarring, but William Barr went on um, TV, national TV, the next day after dropping the charges on Flynn and was asked, like, how do you think history is going to remember this moment? He goes, it depends who wins. History is written by the winners. Here is the only saving grace. The judge doesn't have to, you know, accept the withdrawal of the charges. Like you, you can't say like you once can overrule the dropping of charges. You what, once, once, once the sense the, everything's been done, but the sentencing, you know, you can't, I mean, he can be pardoned by the president. Yes, but he hasn't been sentenced yet. Now the judge has one of three options saying, okay, I accept that you drop these charges, you know, goodbye, Mr. Flynn. He can say F that. I'm going to go ahead with sentencing and at what point, you know, he will most likely be pardoned instantly before he leaves the court. The other thing is he can dismiss with prejudice, without prejudice, which means okay, we're basically dismissing this for now, but I'm not saying it's it's, it's not like they're saying he, you know what? I and I, and I'm getting all. I should have called John and, and get the right verbiage. Um, you know what double jeopardy is? You can't be tried for the same crime twice. Yep. But if if they if they dismiss with prejudice right now, it means they can reopen this case later. So that he can do that. The judge can do that. And what that means is if November 3rd goes the way we hope it goes in January, not only can they bring Mike Flynn back in and and not start the whole thing over again, they can bring Mike back Flynn from square one. Part of Mike Flynn agreeing to plead guilty is that the Department of Justice wasn't going to bring charges against his son, who was also 
implicated in all the same events. You know, his son was also an unregistered agent of Turkey. So basically to protect his son is one of the reasons Mike Flynn said, okay, I'll cop to this. And, and he did it all. And now the D- Department of Justice under a new administration on December, you know, if uh, if November 3rd goes well, um, you know, so the judge, the, there is still hope that Mike Flynn, you know, not only serves the time he should. I mean, but this judge, this judge, if you remember, is also the one who was upset the first time around with the prosecutors because he, he asked, he goes, don't these charges raise to the level of treason? And treason comes with a um, death sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, you know, and, and even there was a gas, it was an audible gas. And the judge didn't say these should be treason charges, but he says, don't you think these might rise to like he, he, that's how upset the judge is. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, we'll wrap up this week in awful. I don't want to talk any more awful because, you know, Joe, uh, there's, there's, you know, there's enough good things in the world, and, and I think are there. I think I think you know you have the ability right now to bring a little good into this world with a self-indulgent theater. Okay, what do you want me to do? Well, in honor of the great uh, little Richard, maybe maybe we do we we <laughs> maybe you. You got a mouse in your pocket? Maybe you do the. Uh, no, just hands from my ass. Um, uh, maybe you do the uh, a version of uh, Tutti Fruity, like the the quintessential uh. touchstone of. The- <laughs> uh, but no. And Wait, what know, am I doing? Uh, let's say John Oliver uh. doing Tutti Fruity by Little Richard. Am I, I'm singing it to music and stuff. I I I would be delighted. <laughs> Um, all right, let's, I don't know, give this a whirl. It will not go well, but nothing ever really does on this podcast. So here goes nothing going well. Wop, bop, a loop, bop, a lop, bam, boom. Tootie fruity, oh, Rudy. 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 A womp bop a loop bump a lot bump bump Got a girl named Sue She knows just what to do I've got a girl named Sue She knows just what to do She rocked to the east, she rocked to the west But she's the gal that I love best Tootie Fruity, oh Rudy Speaking of Rudy, Rudy Giuliani We haven't tired her from this monster And many a week Has COVID-19 finally gotten a hold of Rudy? Oh, Rudy, a wop bop a loop bop a lop bam boom I got a girl named Daisy. She almost drives me crazy. Not as crazy as Rudy Giuliani. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani is on my mind. Gosh darn it. Okay, that's enough. You know what's coming back next week, Joe? What? NASCAR. Turning left and going fast, baby. Uh, NASCAR returns to live racing next week uh, in Darlington, uh, South Carolina. And it's funny because, you know, I've done some work with NASCAR and I had a great call with the guy who's head of like NASCAR um, race day entertainment. And they're going to be having the celebrity national anthems like, you know, done at home. They're not bringing people in. 
They're going to be racing in an empty stadium. It's going to be – it's the first time in North America that a major sports entity – no, I don't think that's true. I think the UFC, as we're recording this tonight, is having a a match. It's, and that's going to be interesting to watch, like, with no crowd. You know, I don't know. You said you, – you checked in on the wrestling, like, last week. But uh, – so NASCAR's coming back, and – we 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 as it this week have baseball, Joe. I know what big baseball fans you and I are. Uh, how much baseball have you watched this week? Oh my God! I mean, just to see, you know, Kim pitch against Kim is really. <laughs> I mean, you know that Kim on Kim action in South Korean baseball. Is that what you're referring to? I am, and well, it, and and the the sports. The sports viewing population here is so hungry for anything that uh, ESPN has been carrying South Korean baseball. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's baseball. We just don't right. know. We don't know the players yet. <laughs> yeah, it depends how long it goes. But but it is Korean, uh, and so when you say Kim on Kim. There might be a bunch of parks out there. Right. So just to let you know. I Sorry. mean, it's like you know, it's it, it's it's. I think Park and Kim are more are more um, common than like Smith and Jones in wow. this country. You know, my mother-in-law's last name was uh, was was uh, Park, and yeah, her boyfriend that we talked about who lived with us for you know ever, Mister Kim. <laughs> you know, what I mean, so spot on, spot on. So yeah, so sports are coming back. Um, you know, NASCAR and Korean baseball. Uh, but as we talked about it, yeah, I don't know with with Mayor Walsh in Boston saying, yeah, we're done to Labor Day. Does that mean – so, yeah, you could play baseball at Fenway, but here's my thing. It's like if, if, base, if, if Fenway only holds 33,000 people, there's another four or 5,000 people down around the Fenway on game day, you know, eating the hot dogs off the – the street vendors are local. You know what I mean? And so if you say, okay, nobody can come into the baseball park, will people literally be like lining the streets just to be close to it, trying to stand on the rooftops across like they do in Chicago? I mean, yeah, I, I guess, right. I mean, right. You're basically like you're lighting this flame in the middle of Kenmore Square and you're telling the moths, stay back. You, you can't, can't go in the flame. This is a no flame zone. No, you you can kind of you know hover around it in in on mass. Yeah, it's like you know doing a flyover in New York City. It's really stupid. It's kind of like you know why attract a crowd with something cool, right? When you don't like, want crowds. You know we've been doing a great job with COVID. Let's have a parade to celebrate how great we've we've been doing this. So I don't know. It's like same thing. It's like you know. You know, Gillette Stadium doesn't fall under, you know, Marty Walsh's jurisdiction. But, I mean, it, now it's just been announced as of yesterday. So, I don't know, you know, what baseball's plans are or what Marty Walsh's plans are. It's like, like no, you're not playing in Fenway. It's like, and the, the Red Sox have to play road games or... Wait, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no Major League Baseball. Like No, but, but if baseball comes back between... Because he said this mandate extends to... Um, uh, Labor Day weekend. So he's putting it all the way through Labor Day weekend, June, July, August. He's saying none of that, yeah. you know, till early September. So if baseball says, yeah, the testing's there. We're ready to play. South Korea got to figure it out. We're going to start playing baseball hey, man, games. I guess everybody's playing in Florida. 
Yeah, pro- yeah, a state that they don't give a fuck. Maybe. Seriously, right? I mean, you just might as well just, they all do spring training down there, so what the hell? That in Arizona that is dealing with a heat wave. So, you know, we didn't talk about it. I'll just mention it briefly. It snowed here this morning. I don't want to say it snowed. There were flurries. When I got up at 630 this morning, I looked outside, and I was like, yeah, I took a quick video. I'll post. I'm like, you got to fucking be kidding me. Uh, Arizona, my buddy who I talked to out there, who I do a lot of sports work with, 107 degrees today. <laughs> so, uh, But, yeah, they can play in Arizona. They can play here. Uh, but more importantly than NASCAR, Joe, what video game shit do you got going on this week? Virtually nothing. Uh, what the hell have I been playing on video? Really nothing. Nada. Zip. Zilch. I've been watching Quantum Leap. I'm catching up on Quantum Leap. I don't know. That's kind of my jam right now. I'm I'm really trying to crawl back into the early '90s and hold on tight. I don't want to. I want to. <laughs> I want to leap back into myself from 1991, watching Quantum Leap. Like that's how much I want to live in the past. So I haven't really been playing any video games. Um, yeah. Me, me, as you saw, as you might have seen. I don't assume that you. Go to Twitter every 15 minutes to shock post something. Uh, but I did. Took another screen grab of my uh, my error message from the PSN network. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and honestly, it's it's one, you know, between the two boys, they're both on Fortnite together. One of them is on the PlayStation network and one because it's cross-platform and one of them's on their Switch. You know, playing on the net uh, on Nintendo. Guess which one isn't having problems? Yep. And and so I did. It's like, you know, and our really good friend, you know, uh brother, you know, we had Sam Hershtick on, we had John Hershtick on, but their older brother, you know, Sam's older brother William, who's a gamer, um, he's an Xbox guy. Yeah, guess who's not having any of these problems and is laughing at me openly. Um Right, he's on like, he's on like ninety three now. Like he's on but, like Route ninety three <laughs> now. No traffic. Hey Nothing. Wow. Nope. And and I did. I posted. It's like, hey, congratulations for having the crappiest, you know, connectivity. Uh, you are Xbox and Nintendo's best advertisement. <laughs> you know, keep keep up the good work, boys. Uh, but yeah, so I literally, and I keep keep saying I'm going to jump into uh, Resident Evil Three. But honestly, um, a couple weeks ago. Like Dan sent just before lockdown happened, Dan and I started to work out two new songs and he, you know, just sent the guitar tracks for that. I actually thought about reaching out to Steve and saying, hey, I want to come over and use this recording studio and put drums to it. Um, But I know I've been playing drums a lot more this week. I've been writing a lot. And, you know, that's why it's like, okay, I got a half hour. I don't want to get into a new game. I can play a couple quick, you know, levels of Res Evil 5. And without fail, I play around, crash halfway through the second round, turn it off, and say, "Why did I think it was going to work? Why, you know, why did I think Lucy was actually going to hold the ball and let me kick it this time?" So, have you tried uh, turning it off and then turning it back on, dude? I, with with my app where I can turn everything off in the house, oh, like yeah, I, forget this device kind of thing, cancel yeah, it out. I, I've I've turned off, you know, every. Alexa device, every laptop, uh, turned off management. If if there if there's a way to turn something off in the house and only have the PS4 running, I've done it. Like I've actually gone and cut the cable at the neighbor's house in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, real talk, I'm actually thinking like you have to like remove the PS4 from the one as one of the oh. devices on your network. Yep. Nope. We've done that. Like, forget this device. Yeah. And then re you know, yeah resign in and you, you know, know. Uh, and look I'm still hoping that the country unplugs. <laughs> and plugs do you back have in. do you have, you don't have a hardwire connection at all? Do you? You can't ru- you can't run the cable all the way to your router like an actual you know, cable. You know I I no I, I yes te- technically I could but I I've done the whole thing I've I've you know unplugged the router I've actually brought the PS4 upstairs to like the main living room and plugged it in like right next to the router but like I said it could I've, be it could be a bad uh, modem too. You know, uh, it, you know, it very well could be, except for the fact that everybody I see online is having the same problem. Oh, okay, so it's a yeah, it, all right, yeah, it's, it's PlayStation not being able to cope with the amount of gameplay going on during the pandemic. Right, but it's not, it's not Xbox people, it's not that. So I'm not really playing anything, which gives me more time to watch more Community and you Quantum Leap. Yep, that's it. That's it, baby. Um. Uh, we, you know, this week, uh, I watched with the family Terminator and Terminator 2, and I suggested a sideshow, which I think we might do next week. Joe and I enjoy talking about that off air, but that's when we're, Joe's like, oh, it's the 60th anniversary of Button Down Mind. Let's do that. But that's, we've been doing, you know, as far as the what have I been watching this week, um, same thing, same thing. You know, we're powering through psych. Um, it's funny because I just saw a Jim Gaffigan routine where he was talking about like binge watching, and he's like, you know that's a thing now and like people will finish a series and they expect you to congratulate them like they <laughs> accomplished something yeah i just uh just finished watching madman it's like like we we always talk about you 100 percent a game and you half expect to hear a knock on the door and it's a big clearance sweepstake check and Dude, balloons and netflix, netflix has to get on that as an like they have to start awarding achievements to viewers you know, like when you play on Xbox and PlayStation, you get achievements. Yep. You've a hundred percented community. <laughs> Here's your trophy. They need to do that, and I'm I'm being serious. You know, no. like the viewership would go through the roof. How more through the roof? Like, like through the roof. it would be like the glass elevator at the end of Willy Wonka that just crashes <laughs> through. Like, oh my god, they're never leaving the house again. So so. Uh, yeah, so just community first. So Quantum Leap is is still the the jam over at over you know, at my house. Casa to uh, Joe. Uh, yeah, right in the Luzium. I'm on. I'm on. I'm on the last season. So you know we're getting. We got into the Evil Leaper episode, and that's a, that's a, that's a really good one. Uh, <laughs> What's the Evil Leaper episode? Oh, he interacts with. He leaps back into a character from the second season, and he's like, "Why am I even here? I fixed this life." And then like later on in the episode, he touches. A, a woman who he you know dealt with in the past, and then because of th- reasons, he, le- he he's a leaper and she's a leaper, so they can now see who they really are because they touch they they cross marginated. Because sometimes when they touch, yes, the honesty is too much, right? And then, have to. but then of course, it's it's the notion that well, if he's driven around to put right what once went wrong, then there must be a yang. Out there, oh. that's out there to fuck up everything that he's doing right. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's interesting. That that's funny because I did not kn- I did not know that. Oh, I did not know uh, that. And that's the last two seasons of um, Legends of Tomorrow on the CW. Oh. They they go around fixing things in time, these time anomalies. But there's a person out there who is, you know, screwing the pooch, as the kids might say. 
30 years ago. <laughs> no, in the 30s. In the 30s. Uh, I confused 30 years ago with the 30s. Thank hey, you. man, time doesn't mean anything anymore, so whatever. Is, is it Blur's Day? Uh, you got a parenting tip, Joe? I don't. But if I did, I would ask you to give me one because I have to cheat. You're the Asian kid that I copy off of when it comes to parenting <laughs> tips. I can say that because your wife's Asian. That's true. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so yes, I'm the Asian kid who writes big. So uh, game playing is slowly returning in the house during the week, you know, under certain guidelines and restrictions. As, as you all know, there was a three and a half month total ban, and then it was just four hours total on the weekend. Well, now that there are no activities and the only way the boys can really connect with their friends is this, you know, I mean, the, the boys are doing an online play, um, the oldest kid, um, his theater group who did Frozen Junior is doing getting together twice a week and they're rehearsing a play online. And he actually has a really good part. And even though the little guy, most most of the kids on this online play are in the seventh and eighth grade, the little guy who's in the third grade in a different school, the uh, the theater teacher said, Yeah, yeah, let's let's throw him a, a couple lines. So it's but really the only way they can connect is playing with their friends. So we're rewriting the rules but putting guidelines. So my parenting tip is this sit them down, um, make them part of the decision making process, you know, let them um advocate for themselves, let them negotiate, you know, so like in Ready Player One, I have I have suggested Okay, if there's going to be some a, 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 a monogram of game playing during the week, just like Ready Player One, when the guys took over the Oasis, they knew it would be an unpopular decision, but they closed the Oasis two days a week. Two days a week, no matter what, and I don't mean no PS3, no Nintendo Switch, I mean no YouTube, no Roblox, no laptops, unless it's a school thing. Nothing. So if you want more these other few days, you got to give. And I, I use that as a parenting tip because if you make them really think about it and, and negotiate and have some accountability and, and treat them like, you know, young adults being part of the process, uh, accountability sucks, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, know? you know, and when when they have when when you're forcing them into saying, well, this is how it's going to be, and this is why, and you take away, well, that's not fair. It's like, and I told them, it's like, I can say because I'm the dad, and that's it. That's how it's going to be. Or you can have part of this process, but you have to come. And I, So we have one of two meetings. The first meeting is I laid it out. I said, I want you guys to take two days to think about what you're willing to give up to get this, and it is stressing their little fucking minds out because they don't want to sit down and say, you know, but they know they, they have to come willing to give something to get something, and it is rocking their worlds. Good for you, and um, I'm glad that you're, uh, you're holding somebody accountable over there because, man, it's a jungle <laughs> it, dude, it, it makes me it, wonder. It really, how we keep them going under? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I look forward to talking to you on Thursday, Joe, about uh, Bob Newhart's 1960, The Button-Down Mind. Oh, man, I wish I could just leap into my future self 
for this Thursday's podcast, and uh, maybe I will. Maybe I'll do that right now. Yeah, you can listen in. You don't have to talk. You can listen to me. He, he took his headphones off like, ah, I'm done. He's like Krusty the Clown. Hey, hey, it's Krusty. <laughs> you know, does his recording session and out the door, the engineer goes back, okay, we're just going to hit the record button. Now. Hey, Krusty. <laughs> <laughs> what the? Anyway, so that's enough for this podcast. Thanks for listening. Tune in Thursday, like Jacques said, for the sideshow about the 60th anniversary of the quintessential comedy album, or I could say seminal Unless you're, is that is that racist? The seminal is that against racist against the Seminole Indians? Wait, against Indians? Oh fuck! I just canceled myself. <laughs> Shut up, Joe! Stop saying fuck and shit! Ah! Don't forget.